around I finally see I think I need a change The rat race I wanna flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free It's a Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro. Glad you're joining me today. I think we got a great one for you. Yeah, we're going to talk about planting guilds and uh, all that has to do with that. Rachel's not joining me today. She was feeling a little bit under the weather, so uh, I'll uh, have to kind of stumble through this one. It's been a while since I did one by myself, so hang in there with me. Yeah, this uh, the question arose in our uh, Front Porch Facebook group. Um, someone was asking about guilds. Uh, they said, we mentioned guilds a lot, but we don't really talk about what a guild is. So we thought, well, an episode on guilds might be a timely episode. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we jump into that, I thought I'd just give you a little bit of updates on the homestead here. Uh, more seed starting, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the thing this time of the year, just getting things started, you know, get, get the germination process rolling and, uh, prepare for that spring planting, you know, or a few weeks out. So anything that's kind of a fruiting vegetable, uh, we're, we, we got it going. Plus, you know, get the brassicas going. Those take a little bit of time. You know, some of that stuff. Anything that I'm really, at this point, anything that I'm not direct uh, sowing is uh, getting started in some trays. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, finished pruning the trees. I had some apple trees left to prune. Got those uh, pruned. And now I've got this big pile of uh, brush. And I've been kind of feeding it through the the chipper shredder <laughs> off and on when I get a chance and making some wood chips for the garden and for the pathways and things like that. So that's kind of been the process around here for the last few days. Um, and there'll be plenty more of that. I still got, I still have a lot of uh, brush to go through. I, it's amazing uh, when you start pruning these trees, how much uh, brush you get, which is good. I mean, it's also really surprising how much brush it takes to make a decent amount of wood chips i'm always surprised when i start feeding those limbs through the the chipper and uh, i don't end up with near the amount of wood chips you'd think you would have at the end it's just like it just it um it looks like so much more than what you actually end up with so yeah that's what's going on around here uh, this week, I did want to give you a, uh, a book recommendation this week. Uh, the book I want to mention today is called Introduction to Permaculture by Bill Mollison. Um, it's the smaller of his two books. Uh, his uh, bigger work on permaculture is a lot meatier. It's a lot more expensive. Introduction to Permaculture is it's it's uh, a lot easier to uh, chew on. It's very it's a simple book. It's still it's still um in depth, I mean, you still get a good understanding of permaculture in it, but it is it is more of a layman's book. I mean, it's just something it's easier to kind of grasp and get a hold of and have a better understanding of permaculture. I think it's a really good book, so it's one worth picking up, and I think it really pertains to our topic today uh, on uh, on planting guilds. Um, yeah, we're going to talk all about that. So it's kind of a beginner's guide, and the thing I guess I want to say about guilds before I get into a kind of a definition is that I think it gets over complicated. I think people put too much thought into it sometimes um, because really a guild is just plants working 
with each other. Let me give you more of a textbook uh, definition. A plant guild is a, a grouping of plants that are carefully selected and they're placed together in a way that, that mimics the structure and the function of a natural ecosystem. So when you think about nature and just how nature works and all the things that are growing, say, around a tree in a woods, around a group of trees in a woods, all those things are working together. You, you have to really kind of think about how they're working together. And we're going to talk about some of the ways the layers of a food forest and 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 get down into the actual functions of the plants in a guild today. But that's really what it is. Um, it's just this idea of, of plants uh, working together, mutually uh, benefiting each other. Each plant performs a, a specific function or multiple functions, as we'll talk about later. And it helps to support the overall health and uh, productivity of the system. The guild like what we're talking about today, we're going to really be focusing on like tree guilds. And that's typically, typically going to consist of a central plant, which is usually a tree in this case, but it doesn't have to be, it could be a shrub. It can be, a, you know, a large plant, a larger plant than the plant surrounding it. So a central plant, it'll serve as that main focus of the guild. And it could be more than one tree. Of course, we'll get into that too. Um, and, and so it'll provide the primary yield of that guild. But, um, and that could be fruits, nuts, edible leaves, uh, however that's supplying your, your need there. And then the other plants in the guild, they're, they're chosen more to, to provide specific functions that support that central plant and the overall health of the system. Now, they, too, can supply your needs as well. They can be um, edible plants. They can be medicinal. Or they can be strictly uh, support plants that feed the other plants in the system. So uh, they could be there for, for any kind of support like pest control, soil building, and we'll get into all the reasons that you might have them there. But they're, they're really designed to be self-sustaining, just like nature. Um, and require no or at least minimal inputs. I will say minimal because, uh, as we'll talk about later, there is there is work required in a guild. It's less work than than say an orchard if you were growing your fruit um, more traditional or more you know uh, conventional way. Um, but it, there's still work involved. I mean, I, I put a little bit of work into my guilds, um, but not not like you would imagine. It just isn't that much. It really doesn't take a lot of time to go over and do this, the simple maintenance things. Uh, so it's minimal input. Um, so, but for watering, you will find that they'll use a lot less water. They'll use a lot less fertilizer, which you're supplying the fertilizer in form of chop and drop. Like I said, we'll get into that. But once they're established, they're really pretty um, self-sustaining for the most part because they're mimicking the structure and the function of natural ecosystems. They help to create sustainable and regenerative uh, food systems that are really in harmony with the environment that you're creating uh, in your own yard. So they're, they're just th kind of a basic definition of them. Simply put, it's a group of plants working together. <laughs> I mean, to accomplish something, yeah, supporting each other, supporting you, all working together in that guild. So that's basically the basic uh, definition of it. Uh, the benefits of a permaculture plant guild uh, for your environment and your garden are this. They build resilient ecosystems, like we mentioned. They are. They're, they're really resilient, um, more resilient than your, your garden. That That's not to say they're indestructible, but they'll be the last thing. I find that they're the last things that needs watered in a drought. Um, they're the things most resilient to uh, to pests, uh, mammals or, or insects. Um, 
they tend if they're set up properly and they've been worked uh you know had their proper plants put in them for support you know they tend to be less susceptible to disease so i mean they're just um they're just more resilient it's obviously increased biodiversity and habitat creation you'll find that it becomes a space for for habitat birds small mammals beneficial insects it just becomes a healthy little environment when you create a tree guild it will over time improve your soil health and fertility uh, like i mentioned before there is reduced maintenance and inputs you will have improved overall yields and food security now you've often heard like people will say you know space your trees and your plants and your things pretty far apart to get the best production out of them and that is true. If you space trees 15, 20 feet apart, they will do better than if you put a over, you know, an overstory tree and an understory tree, you know, just a few feet apart, like five, six feet apart. They will produce more if they're more apart, but you will get an abundance of, of production, but different production. Like you will have in that, let's say you have a 20 foot area, square foot area here you're working with, and you have a tree you have a an overstory tree which we'll get into what all that means here in a minute the overstory understory shrub layer herbaceous layer all these things um everything is providing where if you just had that tree there it might be providing a little bit more by itself but in conjunction with all these things they're all providing which actually gives you more yield and more food security you know diverse diversity of food um they're really designed for long-term success i mean they're just they're there for the long haul Yes, there's going to be things that come and go, things that die, um, things that you, you'll replace, things that you decide don't work, and you'll put in something in there that might work better. There's going to be some of that, for sure. We can talk a little bit about that later, too. But the design, even starting out, is for long-term success. Um, even if you're planting annuals and things in there, I mean, all these things are supporting each other. So that's kind of the the benefits uh, for your the environment. Um now let's talk a little bit about the the layout of a of a guild, which it's within a food forest. So we'll talk about the seven layers of a food forest. Is what we're going to talk about here. Um, a guild being the a small part of the food forest, be one or two trees um, with the supporting plants around it, and then you have several of those guilds, which makes up a food forest. Really, I say two or more probably make up a food forest. That's why I've always said you don't need a lot of space to have a food forest. You just need to have room for a couple trees, basically, and and, and the supporting plants to go around them. And that's really a food forest if you design it right. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the seven layers that we'll talk about, there really is eight layers, but I'll get into what that means here in a minute. Your your tallest layer, your overstory layer, your canopy layer, that'll be your tallest central plant. Um, that's going to be a large tree. It could be like a maple. It could be like a pecan or an almond tree. It could be a um, it could be a walnut tree. I was getting ready to say probably not a walnut tree because of the juggling, um, but it can be if you have the supporting plants like a like say for instance a pawpaw could go next to a walnut. They they can actually survive just fine. And you can actually build, there's a lot of plants that will um, uh, grow around a walnut tree, like elderberry and things like that. So, I mean, there's things that you could even do it with a walnut tree. Um, it's just not typically what we think about when we're talking about permaculture gills. We're usually thinking fruit trees and whatnot. So we might have, you know, a, a large fruit tree. Say my pear trees are pretty large. 
Okay, so then you got a pear tree. Now, you, there's next thing is a sub canopy or an understory layer. That can be large bushes or it can be smaller trees or or trees that you just keep coppice down or, or, or pollarded down to a certain size to where they stay as an understory. They could, for example, a black locust uh, could be an it could be an overstory tree or it can be an understory tree. You could prune that down and keep it down and then it has other benefits that we can discuss here in a minute, but it can actually be an understory uh, tree as well. Um, then you have a shrub layer. Those are your your shrubs, your bushes, any bush plant. Uh, you can be any kind of berries or um, it could even be um, small trees. Again, you could keep them cut so, so far down that they're really just a shrub. Like a mulberry, for example, you could really cut that down to a shrub size and it really be functioning more as a shrub layer. Uh, then you have your herbaceous layer. And these are basically any of your, your ground plants. I mean, these are... Um, this could be like uh, any of your herbs, say you were planting dill or fennel or, or some peas or any or even some annual vegetables or something. It could be anything that's just a plant like that. Then you have your ground cover layer, which is going to be your lower lying plants, clover. Um, we'll, I'll get into some of what some of these are in a minute, but that's your ones are basically there to cover the ground. And then you have your root crops, which that you know what that is. That's just anything um, that's growing underground. The root is the is the uh, the food source. Um, and then you have vertical layers. So these are your vines or your climbers. Um, those are two different things. Like cucumber would be a climber. Grapevines, of course, is a, is a vine or kiwi or something like that. So those are your seven layers. Now there, a lot of people will consider the eighth layer. The eighth layer is your 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 fungal layer. Your your uh, um, mycelium and whatnot and, and why i don't always a lot why a lot of permaculture people don't include that is because if all these other things are in play and you have a healthy ecosystem that's always there that's not even something you have now you can you can add a mushroom layer in there and actually have a fruiting mushroom that is part of you know the food source that's it's supplying but even if you don't do that there is a mushroom layer it's just in the soil so if it's a healthy thriving ecosystem there will be a mushroom layer so that's the eighth layer that some mention some don't so let's talk about the supportive roles of the plants in a permaculture plant guild so you have your layers there but any one of those things can really function in some of these other supportive roles for example some of those layers can be nitrogen fixers. On your herbaceous layer that can be clover, legumes, alfalfa so you can have you know, several things in the, in the herbaceous uh, layer that are nitrogen fixers. Even in the shrub layer, you have things like sea buckthorn or autumn olive or, or gumi. Can be, all those things can be pruned down to a shrub size and work as either a shrub or a let them grow up a little bit and be an understory. And they're all nitrogen fixers as well. And even a, a, like I mentioned a minute ago with black locust, you got alder and black locust trees that they can eat. They could be understory. Or you could even cut them way down and keep them coppiced and, and use them as, a, as nitrogen fixers also. So those can be your, your supportive role there as the nitrogen fixers. Uh, another supportive role would be dynamic accumulators. And this would be things like comfrey, borage, uh, plantain, yarrow. Um, chicory, dandelion, dock, rhubarb. These are these are dynamic accumulators. What that means is that they have deeper tap roots and they pull up um, 
the nutrients from deeper down in the soil into their leaves. And then you'll practice what's called chop and drop. You'll remove leaves and, and, and stems and, and things, and you'll drop those on the ground within your, uh, your guild and feed the soil and, uh, and help, su- you know, supply the nutrients and the minerals that the, um, that all the other plants need. So they become these supporting plants in that way. If they're a mineral, uh, replenishing plant. Um, and I guess I should say what the nitrogen fixtures are. Nitrogen fixtures actually pull nitrogen from the air, and uh, and they actually have these root nod- these nodules on their roots that will that develop these these nitrogen nodules. And then when you cut those plants, like when you say you cut black locust, those nitrogen uh, nodules actually release. Um, and then you can even use the what you've cut back as chop and drop as well, and for for mineral so, uh, supplication to the to the um, guild. But the nitrogen will release once the plant has been cut back. So any of those things you would cut back, say an autumn olive or whatever, they're going to release the uh, release the, uh, the the nitrogen into the soil. Uh, the legumes are really good about that. You know, anything in the pea family or you know legumes, um, they're going to release that uh, into the soil, which is is really good for a lot of your plants. Next supportive role that plants can have in a permaculture plant guild is ground covers, as we mentioned earlier. And what a ground cover does is it suppresses the weeds and it helps with moisture retention. They can do more than that, but that that's basically what the ground cover part is for and what and some of the like there's a couple ways you can do this you can have like low ground plants like clover herbs of all kinds mint whatever um purslane is a sprawling plant that's a good ground cover um or they could be broad leaf plants and this these can even be a bigger plant obviously not at ground level like comfrey or borage or rhubarb or even hostas you think about um You've probably seen just like somebody with a maple tree out in their front yard that has a just a whole ring of hostas around that tree, and they probably did it just so they don't have to mow up near their tree, and it looks nice. That that's actually a uh, that's actually a plant guild. Um, those those serve a function, and I guess I should say this too before we go any further. You don't have to have every layer, and you don't have to have every supportive role in every guild. I have plant guilds out here that are two and three things that's it now those two things yeah i might have the tree and a couple plants and those two plants might function a couple different ways for different things so you end up with like four or five of these things kind of fulfilled but you don't have to plant a different plant for each one of these things and have all seven layers covered on every tree it's just it's it would be odd to do that, actually. Uh, it's not a common thing. There's some guilds that you could do that with, especially if you had two or three trees and it was a bigger guild. Um, you could actually have a whole range of things in there. But most of the time, it's going to be two, three, four plants. Um, sometimes more if you just want to put one of each thing in, in there. But um, I have I have some that I have uh, comfrey and yarrow is all I have around the trees. So, I mean, there's just... It just depends, but anyway, let's uh, carry on with the uh, the uh, supportive roles here. Um, insectary uh, plants; these are ones that are going to attract uh, pollinators and attract predatory predatory insects. So, attracting pollinator pollinators like bees, butterflies, hummingbirds. And again, it, it, here's the thing: you're going to hear a lot of these same plants being repeated. That's because the same plants can actually carry on with several roles. Comfrey is a great pollinator plant borage again great milkweed goldenrod yarrow um 
coneflower. I mean, those are great, great at attracting pollinators, and there's hundreds more. I mean, uh, so any of those things would work. Uh, for attracting predatory insects, and you think, okay, why do you want to attract insects? Well, things like ladybugs, praying mantis, earwigs, wasps, these things are going to actually take care of a lot of your bad insects. Um, if you got aphid, you know, don't want to have an aphid problem, have a lot of ladybugs. You know, um, there's a lot of uh, of, of uh, caterpillars that wasps will uh, will take care of. So uh, some of the plants you might want to uh, plant in your guild that would attract predatory insects are things from like the carrot family, like caraway, cilantro, dill, fennel, the aster family. They'll be like goldenrod, um, coneflower, sunflower, yarrow. Um, then you get into your mustard family, and you got like yellow rocket and wild mustard, and then pea family. And again, in the pea family, th- these things are also serving as as nitrogen fixtures. But you got alfalfa, lentils, chickpeas, and and vetch. These things are, are great for drawing in predatory insects. So yeah, you can kind of just and this might even get confusing to you because you're thinking, okay, what's this? You're naming all these things, so you're not telling me what really needs to go in a guild. Well, bear with me. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. Um, there's the, another supporting role that um, plants can have in a guild is balance of fungal population. Some plants actually fight off fungus, fight off things you know like powdery mildew or uh, I mean, there's just a bunch, especially when you get into like um, apple trees and certain kinds of trees that are just prone to fungal disease. Some, some, uh, some plants uh, do well. In, in those kind of guilds to help ward that off a little bit. Things like chamomile, believe it or not, garlic. Uh, we've talked about that as we've covered garlic before, that it's something that will help uh, kind of fight off fungal populations. Mustard, which we just mentioned a minute ago, is something, so another dual role plant. Basil is a great one for that as well. So um, these are plants that will uh, balance fungal populations. And then you want to deter animal pests. Now, there's a couple ways you can deter deter animal pests. You can do it with scent deterrence or irritant deterrence. Scent deterrence would be things they just don't like the smell of. They're like, they just stay away. They think nothing smells good over there, so it ain't going to taste good. So they'll stay away from it. Things like daffodils, uh, garlic, onions, chives. These things will drive off a lot of pests. There's also th- the irritant deterrence are things that might poke them or scratch them or just it's really uncomfortable for them to get in there to try to eat the bark off your tree or to eat your plants Um, things like gooseberry goji berry boysenberry blackberry raspberry hawthorn sea buckthorn these are some thorny plants Um, and if you've got a quite a bit of that around the tree the base of the tree they're not going to want to get in there uh, to, to try to chew on your tree or you can even have them on the edges to keep them from even getting to the guild area um, so yeah, I mean, these are things that will, that can, um, deter, uh, animal pressure. And then there's deterring harmful insects. Uh, we talked a little bit about that by having, you know, predators in there, but you can actually do it with a cut with plants as well, uh, by scents that are just undesirable to them or scents that actually mask the stuff they like. I think a marigold's as a, as a masking scent. It's not so much that they, it's an undesirable scent to them. It just covers up the things that they would rather have. Uh, but there's lavender, basil, thyme, mint, lemongrass, chives, again, onions and garlic. I mean, all these things, uh, and hundreds more, each one of these are not exhaustive lists by any means. I mean, there's hundreds of plants in every one of these roles that you could choose from. 
And that's what I was going to get at. We are so sometimes so focused on building a guild the right way that what we need to understand is there's really not a right or wrong way. If the plants support each other and they function and do the things you want to do them, there's dozens and dozens of choices you can go with. And it'll depend on what you like, what your zone is, what the microclimate's like, and, and, and the roles you're trying to fulfill in that, in that uh, guild. So as you can see, it can be anything. And sometimes we just want this formula. You know, we want this formula that says, okay, I'm planting an apple tree. What are the eight things I need to plant in that apple tree guild? Well, there's not eight things. There's 800 things you can plant there. And it, you're just going to have to break it down into the things maybe you want to eat, you want for, met, for medicinal purposes, the things that you know will support, and the things that will fulfill these roles, and things that will grow good in your area, and in that microclimate of where that where that guild's at. Um, that's what it comes down to. Now, I will, I, th- I think here at the end, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, we're going to kind of walk through maybe a, sam- a sample guild, but uh, what, how you might want to put one together and how you might want to think through it. Um, but first, let's talk about Let's just talk about building a permaculture plant guild in your in your uh, homestead. Um, you have to think about site selection. Where are you going to start planting this? Say you haven't even put the tree in yet. So where are you going to put this tree in? You have to think about things like, you know, microclimates, like the frost, the heat. Is it hilly? Is it wet? Is it is it just a good place? You know, is it a place you're going to be able to visit often? What's the, uh, the zone of that? Um, you just think about your site selection. It, plenty of sunlight, plenty, you know, or shade, depending on what you're wanting. Um Pick your place, put in your tree, plant your guild. Uh, you're going to want to select those appropriate plants. And and some some things you want to think about there is is avoid overcrowding. So what you will try to do maybe is choose plants that serve multiple functions, which most of them do. And you just got to think it out a little bit. And and then you want to plan and plant your guild, but prepare as needed. What I mean by that is you may design your guild and it's working well for a couple years. And then maybe some caterpillar that you didn't plan on that isn't common to your area shows up and it starts eating on your tree. Well, maybe you need to look into some herbs or some some support plants that will take care of that. Maybe it will draw in um, certain insects, uh, predatory insects that will take care of those those caterpillars maybe it'll just put off a scent that will drive them away i mean there's just things like that you have to research and figure it out but be prepared to adapt also some things may just not want to grow there you might plant things and think they're going to do well but the microclimate might have been just a little bit off and they just keep dying don't fight it let it die find another plant you know let nature kind of pick what it wants there with but you can help guide it you can say well we can change that but we want to keep that function the same let's find another plant that will grow here that that function uh is still is still met so you just got to adapt and sometimes i've changed i've changed my a couple plants out on a couple of my guilds it just happens and and you go with nature that's part of making it resilient and regenerative is that you're putting things there that are going to require very little maintenance and survive. And that's the goal. It really is part of the goal. Um, so there's some common mistakes you want to avoid when you're designing your permaculture plant guild. You're going to want to avoid overplanting or underplanting, really. I mean, if you just put like one comfrey plant by a, you know, a peach tree, I mean, 
I won't say it's it's not useful. I mean, you can certainly use it for chop and drop, but it's really not fulfilling a ton of roles. It's uh, the comfrey is going to draw in uh, pollinators when it's flowering. It's going to make chop and drop. It's you know it's going to provide some nutrients. It's going to do some good stuff. But there's so much more you could do there. There's a lot of room left. So don't underplant. But you can actually overcrowd the area so much that nothing grows well too. So you got to be careful about that. Choose plants that will not starve each other out. Like if you know, you can have a lot of clover, for example, and that's an, that's going to you know provide nitrogen to the soil. It's going to draw in pollinators. That's not really a problem. So, but if you started putting in you know a bunch of heavy feeders, and you have no nitrogen fixer in there. It could actually pull a lot of nutrients away from the, from your tree and actually hurt. The guild could actually cause harm uh, to some of the plants in your guild, specifically the tree, if you didn't plant it out right. So you want this balance, and you got to think that out. You got plan and plant and adapt, but be careful not to overplant or underplant. Make it useful, but it, it's hard to overplant if you have diversity. It's when you overplant one thing a ton of and then what you end up doing is you have to you end up having to to be uh, the supply of what that isn't getting like fertilizer for example uh i can't remember who it was uh i think it was sepp holzer that said um he was talking about pigs and he said if you don't want to have a pig then you have to be the pig you have to do the things the pig won't do right uh it's that way in a guild too if 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 you don't want to have a nitrogen fixer you're going to have to be that nitrogen fixer. Um, you know, so, I mean, you're going to have to supply nitrogen for that, for that guild. So you want to, you want to supply the things that it needs. So you don't have to be the thing that it needs. If you don't have ground cover and, and, and it's drying, the ground's drying out extremely fast. Well, you're going to be the person watering that, you know, you're going to have to be the one to fulfill that need. Um, but if you put enough ground cover on the ground stays moisture, it doesn't dry out. And, you know, it's more, it's more, uh, tolerant of drought. Um, but you will end up being whatever it's lacking. So provide it with the things it needs. So it isn't, it isn't lacking anything and you don't have to be that thing for it. Also, another common mistake is, is ignoring the plant needs and preferences. Again, you don't want to just throw things in there kind of willy nilly. You do want to think about it and you want to think about the different functions. You want to think about the diversity. You don't want to plant things. You don't want to plant a blueberry bush in there when you know the ph isn't going to be right and if you have to change the ph for the blueberry bush it's going to affect the other plants um so i I guess what i'm saying is know what that plant needs and make sure it fits within that guild and it's operating right you can't we talked about walnut trees earlier in the jug loan you you can't plant some things next to a walnut tree it just won't work. It, it, the plant will suffer. Um, so I, you know, but then there is walnut tree guilds that will do great. But again, you have to, you have to, to think about that, and you have to make sure the needs for that plant are are met, and that that plant is supplying for the needs of the other plants in that guild to make it all work right. So that's something else. That's a common mistake. People just throw things in there because they like the way it looks, or it's like it's what I want. I want that, so therefore I'm going to plant that. But don't think about the fact that does that guild want that? Does that guild going to have? Is that guild going to have what it need? What that plant needs to survive? So think about that. It's a common mistake, and just failing to to plan for long term maintenance as well. Things do need some maintenance. Things are going to need pruned. You're going to want to design it in a way 
um, that it it gets you're able to provide the long term maintenance it needs, like chop and drop. And are you going to be able to get in there with a ladder to prune the trees? And this is, comes down to to uh, even just building that guild, you know, uh, planning for it. Uh, is there access paths? Are there ways to get in there? You got to design your guild with the harvesting in mind, even. You have to get in there to do the chop and drop. You have to get in there to do the the harvesting. You know, have some alleyways kind of into the into the guild where you can step in there and do what you got to do, or you can get a ladder in there if you had to, or, or be able to get in there with a, a fruit picker or whatever and and pick your fruit. Just make sure you're able to access it. Don't make it inconvenient because it's really one of the the biggest reasons people don't use guilds in production for fruit production or food production. Why do we do? We monocrop and we make these big old wide alleyways between our trees and between our, our, our crops. It's mostly for the harvesting. It's for easy access and for, you know, to get in there to do the harvesting. So you got to think about that a little bit. It ain't going to be as easy as that, but at the same time, you do want to think about it a little bit, you know, and it doesn't have to be this perfect circle around the drip line of the tree. It can be more long and narrow and you can have like two, three trees in a row, and a and a, a, a kind of an oblong oval guild with a lot of support plants in there to where you you know you got some side access to everything and you're not you know, say you could even make it say six feet wide but you know 20 30 feet long and have a couple two or three you could even have a couple overstory trees and one that long and you know a couple two or three um, understory uh, trees and then your shrub layers and be able to reach in from the sides to access pretty much everything from one side or the other. Um, so there's just different ways to design it. And you have to think about that when you're putting it together. And you want to, you, you obviously want to adapt your, uh, build your guilds to adapt to changing conditions. Um, think about, okay, if I build a guild on this part of my yard, but then I'm putting another guild in my food forest, 20 feet South of where that guild is. Well, and there's, and, and this guild on the north side has an apple tree in it, but the guild on the south side, I've put a walnut tree in or a maple tree or a, you know, a pecan tree or something. Well, those trees are going to get bigger than the apple tree, possibly shade out the apple tree. So think about that when you're building. I mean, you got to think about the future and is there going to be shade here one day, five years from now that isn't here now? Um, just conditions change so you have to think about that um you want to think about how to prevent and manage your plant diseases and pests and again i mentioned that earlier change plants in the guild if the need arises it's it's just part of the the maintaining and adapting your guilds over time so just be prepared for that because it does happen so i hope that gives you some clarity on and i know it's it's so up in the air because i think people just want that formula they're saying hey I got an apple tree. I got a pear tree. I got a plum tree. Tell me what to plant around it. I mean, I can tell, I can give you ideas on what to plant around it, but, um, sky's the limit. I mean, there's so many plants that serve in these functions and the combination you take, you know, you take a hundred plants in every one of those functions and then you can mix match those plants. You got thousands of possible combinations of plants that you can you can combine to to serve these same functions. So, I, I guess what I'm hoping is that you just understand the process. You want to know, you know, Google. I mean, uh, nitrogen fixing plants, and then look through a list, and then see if there's companion plants go with the other plants. And I mean, it's a process, no doubt. But um, 
you can figure out what goes together, what serves in that function, what you like, what will fit in your climate, and then go for it. And if it doesn't work, change it next year, two years later. It's really... The trees are probably the only thing that's pretty permanent. Every, I mean, in the sense that it, the recovery time on those, if you have to take those out and put another one in, is a lot longer. Most of the plants are pretty quick. So you get a crop and you get recovery if you have to change them out pretty fast. So here's what we'll do. We'll build a hypothetical apple tree guild. Let's just do that. And we'll see if this kind of helps you, the thinking process, okay? I'm going to start with... Let's say I have a young apple tree that's maybe three years old, four years old. It's just starting to produce fruit. It's, I don't know, eight feet tall. Um, it's just starting to produce. And I'm going to start working a guild around this. I'm going to start building this guild. Okay, what am I going to think of? I'm going to think of ground cover. So what would be some good ground cover plants to put around this apple tree? Well, red clover is, is fantastic. Um, white clover. Uh, and I might just do a, I think I'll do all these. I think I'll do a couple red clovers. I think I'll have a little bit more white clover because it's a little bit lower and it'll kind of fill in the gaps. I might put one comfrey plant in there for some nice chop and drop, maybe two, one on each side, uh, on out towards the drip line. That way it's not crowding the tree. Um, and maybe a basil plant. Now, the reason I might go with a basil is because it has the, uh, the, um, the, the properties that will kind of help with uh, to balance the fungal uh, population. So let's throw us a basil in there as well. But it, it works as a as a ground cover. Why? Because it's bushier and and uh, it's you know those leaves are not giant leaves, but it's a bushy plant. So it's got some ground cover um, quality. So we'll we'll call it a ground we'll call it a ground cover here, but it'll also fill some other roles here in a minute. So red clover, white clover, comfrey, and basil. You know, probably going to be more of the white clover in there than anything. But I like the red clover too because it it's really good at drawing in some some beneficial insects and it's really good uh, nitrogen fixer and uh, it's just got a lot of qualities I like for this. Um, now let's think about a fixer. Let's get a nitrogen fixer. So the apple tree is my overstory tree. So let's throw an understory tree in there. Let's throw a sea buckthorn in there. It can be a large shrub or a tree. You can prune it down to a shrub size. So it's it's it'll be an understory, but it's a, a taller understory. Uh, you could probably get it, you know, keep it around four or five feet really easily. Um, and it's a nitrogen fixer. And the clover is a nitrogen fixer that we already have in there. So we have we have nitrogen fixers. Um, let's think about dynamic accumulators. We already have the comfrey. So let's throw some yarrow in there because yarrow is a really good one for um, for apple trees because of, um, well, it has a lot of qualities, but some we mentioned earlier was that it draws in um, predatory insects and, of course, it also draws in pollinators, so it should be a pretty good one for our, uh, our guild. So we'll throw that in there. Um, let's see, what else? Let's think about... Uh, again, this was just for for the dynamic accumulators, and that is one. But now we, we look at our um, insectary plants. Comfrey is going to draw on the pollinators. Yarrow, again, it just does what I said it does. Clover is is working great for the insects. And dill. I want some dill in there also, um, mostly for the smell. It's actually going to be a good uh, deterrent also, but it will also draw in some beneficial stuff. So let's throw some dill in there. Um we mentioned for the fungal balance, balance, uh, balance, we got the basil, and I want to put some garlic in there as well. So I want 
uh, just sporadically, I'm going to plant some garlic in there. I think for animal deterrence, the garlic's going to work. The sea buckthorn is going to work because it's a thorny bush. So if we keep that a little closer to the base of the tree, the, so, the sea buckthorn closer to the apple tree, those thorns are really going to help, especially if you can kind of walk, the, you know, um, uh, prune it to where some of the limbs kind of go up by the tree and around the trunk a little bit of the, of the, um, the apple tree. It could really uh, do a lot to deter some, some animals. And let's think about insect, insect deterrence, the basil and the garlic. So I think, you know, we didn't plant different plants for every one of those things. Well, we got maybe seven, eight plants here total in this guild. And is this right? Is this wrong? It's it neither. I mean, it's, it's right for me today. Or it might be wrong for you today. I don't know. And we may change some things or add some things or take out some things later, but that's just kind of a hypothetical apple tree guild. But this is a good starting point. Now I might do a little bit deeper digging and say, you know what? I probably really ought to put maybe some cilantro in there or, you know, instead of the dill, or I might, you know, instead of yarrow, I might go with some coneflower or something, or maybe just put some sunflowers on, on the South side of it or something. I don't know. You know, you might decide to change some things, put some chives in there, maybe, um, sky's the limit, but this was just a good little, maybe just kind of an exercise in just thinking, okay, what, what can we do here to build a simple hypothetical apple tree guild? That one would work. Is it the best one? I don't know. It would work. It definitely has a lot of the qualities. Uh, it has most. It has a lot of the um, the uh, the layers. It doesn't have all the layers. It doesn't have a climber in there. You could throw a climber in there. I mean, you could throw some some kiwi, or you could throw some uh, you know hardy kiwi in there. It would probably work well. Or maybe even a cucumber. You could throw. You could just go with an annual and throw a cucumber in there and walk it up, walk it up into the sea buckthorn or something. I mean, picking the, picking the cucumbers out of there might not be real pleasant, but you could. You could do, you know, something that's going to climb a little bit with tendrils, you know, and, and just stick it in there. Some of the squashes or something would work well in there and also function as a ground cover. I mean, there's a, so many different ways you can go with it, but this one would work. This would be, this would be a hypothetical apple tree guild that would work. Um, so that I, I think that's all I can really do to explain guilds to you. I think the key is to not overthink it in the sense that, you think I have to get this to be a perfect guild. What's the perfect guild? I don't think there is one. I just, I don't think there is one. There's so many options and they all work really good. And you could get carried away and you could just stuff everything in every guild. And you probably should probably suffer a little bit, honestly, because they, they'd just be so overcrowded that, you know, things would probably just not do all that well. And you want all this stuff within a decent proximity of the main center overstory. Right. I mean, if it's going to actually function, you know, in, in the role of supporting everything in this guild, it needs to be pretty close together. So it'd be really easy to overcrowd if you try to put too much in there. Like I said, you want to look for plants that, that serve several functions. Like I mentioned comfrey like four times in that list. I mentioned yarrow a couple times. I mentioned clover like three times. I mean, these are the same plants serving in several functions. It's a great way to do it. It's a great way to not overcrowd, get some diversity, but yet, you know, not have to worry about planting like 10, 12 different things, you know, they all can do a, do the function. So I think that's it, folks. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, these podcasts are definitely shorter when there's only one of us uh, doing it, but hopefully I didn't speed through it too fast and you got something from it. And, uh, you know, I want you to get out there and, and, and build some guilds because I think it's a better way. I really do. I think it's more resilient, more diversity. It's better for the ecosystem. It's better for your homestead. And 
I think you can really, I love the nature that it invites to. I mean, you just see a piece of nature on your homestead. When you have a food forest and you have these guilds supporting one another, and you know, one guild will even support another guild, and then you get this whole food forest functioning together. You know, it's kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? It all becomes one big giant guild, so to speak, uh, as your food forest grows. But if you have one tree, if you have one tree in your yard, one fruit tree in your yard, start there. You have 20, start with a one. Start with one, start with a guild. If you just, if that's the only one you do this year, get you a few supporting plants around that tree and just see how it goes. And um, I think you'll be impressed and I think you'll find that you're, uh, that it'll be more resilient and, uh, and you'll like the diversity of, of, of yield you get from that. And I think you'll have a lot of fun doing it too. And um, a lot of those things, uh, that you're going to plant, especially some of the shrubs and things in the um, the understory layer, and even some of the uh, the, the herbaceous plants and things. You're going to find you can propagate those really easy. You don't even have to spend any money to build a second guild or a third guild. A lot of times, these things just spread. Some of them's going to be by seed. Some of it's going to be by you know you taking cuttings from the crowns or whatever. Uh, you know, and you can just continue to grow guild after guild from that first one and a lot of these, a lot of these plants. So uh, it can be a really cheap way to get a lot of food over time, or you can just go all out and do them all, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I kind of did that when I first started and put a lot of things in, but yeah, have fun with it. Don't, don't stress it. Enjoy it. And, uh, invite the nature, the wonders of nature into your yard and, uh, watch permaculture work because it's, it's an amazing thing. You know, it's why I, I, I've always said, I've said this many times, you know, I uh, felt like uh, homesteading changed my life, but I felt like permaculture changed my homestead <laughs> a lot. And, uh, you know, I started homesteading. I didn't know anything about permaculture, you know, and I was just putting food out there and it, and it was great. But then as I got into permaculture, amazing things happened to my homestead. You know, it became way more abundant and it became way less work. So you know, it's part of the enjoyment of it too. And, and I enjoy the look of it and the nature in my yard and the resiliency of it. So enjoy it, plant those guilds. And until next time, folks, happy homesteading and God bless. Looking around, I finally see, I think I need a change. The rat race, I want to flee my world. I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free It's a modern homestead Build a modern homestead A lot of folks don't understand why I want this way they've never eaten from their land like we do here every day snapping beans like grandma did sitting on her front porch hunting and fishing like a kid once you've done all of your chores it's a modern Change you gotta 
the star today. 